you know, um, things like that. But now many schools, surprisingly, you can't have peanuts or eggs or a lot of the major intolerances because so many kids have got just anaphylaxis, like life or death situations. So it is getting worse, definitely getting worse along amongst kids. Would you know why that is, just out of curiosity, like what, what you've learned as to what could be a, a reason for that? I think some of the reasons are the food is being highly processed. Um, mm. We're not getting enough fresh fruits and veggies, so that is interfering with our gut microflora. Um, mm. And our gut microflora is, is completely changed because we're not being exposed to different fibres um, or the soil is is connected with serotonin levels and these, these are all happy hormones and, and neurotransmitters. Um, mm. And there's a huge link with autism and, and things like that that's happening as well due to deficiencies. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to touch base a little bit later on is I feel there's a deep connection with women who get off the pill and mm. start to have kids straight away as well um, because they're matching up with men um, or they're partnering with men who they biochemically weren't meant to match with. So therefore they're producing children that uh, do not have the best immune system, do not have the best um, coping mechanisms because the pill changes the men that you seek. Um, so there's, it's, it's, a, it's a big um, rabbit hole to jump into, but I think it's, it's a multitude of factors. Wow, wow, that is so interesting because actually a little while ago I read a study where um, they would have um, a whole bunch of t-shirts and a woman would smell um, each of the shirts and you would be drawn to uh, the one based on smell and that's to match your, your hormones or not your hormones, your um, antibodies or, or your immune system. It's called your histocompatibility gene. So we naturally seek a man with opposite genes. So our children will have better immune systems, better ad adaption to different stresses. So when you're on the pill or any form of synthetic hormones, you actually change your preference and you want to go for more of a nurturing role, like your cousin or more of a feminine man, because you want you want something someone nurturing. Uh, and so when women get off the pill, they get married. They're sort of like I don't know. It's really, it's a really hard topic to talk to because I know some of my friends are in this category, but they get off the pill and then their genes change and they're not attractive to their partner. They're not attractive to their boyfriend because they were never biochemically meant to be with that person. Um, so, and there's also research where women who have this, um, the same genes are more likely to be dissatisfied in the bedroom and more likely to cheat. So there is loose study around this um, topic, um, but it is something that it is pretty shocking when you're like, oh, my God, that's me. You're like so many women I talk to. And, yeah, it's, it's a hard topic because I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but it's something to be aware of and I think it's really important. Yeah, because, um, you know, I just think that it's so interesting how you will literally go to the doctor for anything. And I can just speak for myself, you know, where I just had, you know, a little bit of bad skin. I went to the doctor and the first thing he said was, okay, let's put you on the pool. And, uh, you know, uh, I was probably around like 19 years old. And there's so many women that I know that are even younger, like they'll go on the pool at like 16 or something. Or if you have an irregular period, hey, let's put you on the pool. And the, you don't, you just trust. You don't really ask too many questions, particularly the younger you are. You just trust that um, doctors know what they're doing. And, and I'm sure obviously a lot of them do for a large extent, but there are, when you start taking more of a natural approach, 
you realize that there are other ways of dealing with those things without actually going um, into something that changes your hormones. And they don't even tell you, you know, they don't say, hey, by the way, this will change your hormones or any of the side effects, really. There are, yeah, there's a number of side effects and we're just, we're not being informed and we're not being empowered either as women. Like we go to a GP and all they have in their toolbox, unfortunately, is the pill. Mm. Um, And we're really not being educated on how we can utilise the amazing power of the menstrual cycle. So, Mm. yeah, I I feel like young girls definitely need that support. Yep, yep. So just tell me a little bit more about that whole um, menstrual cycle process, you know, and um, uh, what it feels like to be a woman, what what, what, what that looks like, what you go through. Yeah, so this is one of my favourite passions. I can talk about the menstrual cycle. So I talk about periods and poo all the time. Um, (laughs) But as a naturopath, you just, you got a health and now I'm like specialising in periods. So yeah, um, he's such a lucky guy. Um, The menstrual cycle, I really come about with um, my personal journey. I was, again, you know, very young and I got on the pill for acne and Um, I just really found my period so inconvenient and I hated getting my period and I thought it was just, it sucked really. And then I sort of had um, a real big eye opener and like a sort of like an awakening um, a couple of years ago when I just realized that we're actually very connected to these deep cycles in nature and women have uh, a deeper cycle to the seasons. So, so does our menstrual cycle. And when we have our menstrual cycle, it is a way that we can, there's a way that we can utilize it. So for example, when we have our natural cycle, we ovulate, which means that we're very fertile. And when we are aware, we can avoid having sex during this time. So it, there's a it's empowering so we don't have to rely on synthetic pills but around your uh, ovulation time your estrogen's really high so your whole face goes symmetrical so you're attractive to the opposite sex how cool is that so during this time you're going to be feeling good you're going to be looking good so I'm like to my patients, hey guys, this is the time to go and ask for the pay rise. This is the time to go on your dates. This is the time to, you know, communicate with loved ones. And if you're in business, like so many women are these days, this is the time to do your podcast, do your photo shoot, like get out there and express yourself because you're going to communicate a lot better. You know, when you wake up and you're like, yeah, I'm just feeling energized, feeling good. This is that time and you can really utilize it. And then you can also be aware that in two weeks' time, you're due for your period. So this is when you're bleeding and you're not going to feel the same. Your, you know, your, your progesterone increases where you're going to crave more carbohydrates. So any woman that's always goes, Rach, you know, I'm so good on my diet. And then I just, I totally just binge out on carbs. And I'm like, that's because you're meant to eat your carbs around your period time. Like you, you need to go in sync with it. Um, but for me, I totally pull back. I In Brisbane, I used to get Uber Eats. I was like, I am not cooking around my period. I'm just going to chill out and recharge my batteries. I get a cleaner to come in. Um, sometimes I even order my groceries and get my partner to go pick up the groceries. And it's just a really nice time for me to go within and recharge. And since I've learned about my cycle, I am so energized and I feel a deeper connection with who I am as a woman and that is really empowering and I no longer 
dread getting my period I can't I literally can't wait to get my period because I know that I can just be in my pajamas and I can put on DVDs and movies so I actually love getting my period now and that's completely changed wow and that's so interesting because that's once again going back to you know what you taught and what you just fall into where you know you as soon as it happens for the first time when you're 13 or whatever it may be you freak out and everybody just tells you don't talk about it you know this is something that nobody speaks about and you just yeah. experience so much pain and um, it really just becomes something that you absolutely dread absolutely dread so that's so cool yeah I know and for many women like I love my mom but she probably wasn't really introduced to it like oh you're a woman now this is so powerful um, but women out there are having uh, period parties. So they're getting the girls together and they're having red balloons, red velvet cake, and they're celebrating their period. Um, so there is a shift. And I can't, like if I have, you know, a girl or even my nieces, um, I really want to, you know, support them in becoming a woman because I think we're really mm. missing that whole leap into, okay, now I'm a woman and, and having that pride mm. in being a woman. So, yeah, is, there's definitely a shift happening. Oh, well, that's so good to hear. Now, I suppose even this conversation, you know, this this conversation in and of itself is part of that shift, which is so cool um, to actually be open to, to talking about that. And I think also going back to being connected to each other, like if you are celebrating that, you are doing it as a community. You know, you're doing it as, um, you, it's no longer something that's uh, secretive and, you know, it's, uh, all these embarrassing things are happening to myself. It's like, hey, let's connect with other females and actually just talk about these things. Um, and it's okay to connect. It's not, um, yeah, no, I think one thing that's so interesting is that we had um, a competition between females. So you have all these females that, you know, it's like you, you perceive another woman as, as competition instead of perceiving them as um, your friends and, and people who are going through the exact, well, not the exact same things as you, but those same menstrual cycles and, and all of those female um, things. Absolutely. I went to do a talk here at one of our local schools. They actually allowed me in to talk about periods. And it and it just really broke down the girls because when you're at that age, I mean, these were, yeah, well, they would have been about 14 to 16. Um, so, and the other years were nine, nine years old. Um, but they were really shocked and they were sort of like, oh, yeah, we are all the same, aren't we? And it really broke down the barriers because you can see those groups starting to form even at that young age and they were all like chatting and talking and it, being able to talk about your periods really breaks down those barriers because you're not any different we're all the same and we're all going through the same hormones so it's a good way mm. to connect to girls by talking about it wow wow and I'm not actually sure if this relates in any way <laughs> but it, I just thought of it now where um, a lot of people say that it follows the moon cycle. Like, how does that work, or does that uh, does that have any correlation? Or? Yeah, well, uh, like I was saying, all women are sort of connected to to nature. And before we had artificial lighting and things like that, have you heard of the red tent movement? No. It's a it's a, a very strong movement here in Australia, particularly down in Byron Bay. It's a women's movement, and um, it's loosely based on uh, the biblical times when Joseph had, I think he had like five wives and all the wives would actually um, or have their period together. So when women are together, we, all of our pheromones, very similar to the histocompatibility genes, 
we are all in sync. So every time I hang out with my best friend, we always get in sync. The girls at work, we're in sync. It just, we're all connected. So when women um, were living together, we would all ovulate together. And apparently we did get in sync with the moon. So a normal, I guess a textbook style of a menstrual cycle is 28 days. The moon cycle is 28 days. So they, the theory is, is that when you ovulate, it will be on the full moon. So you can see your partner and you had more, like the, all the water's rushing to the brain. So you're more lively around that time. But how women, if we were all in sync, that means we would all ovulate together. So we're more likely to get pregnant at the same time. That means we'd all give birth at the same time. So you and I would raise each other's children's because I would produce the breast milk. So if you couldn't produce it, I would feed your baby. But women will raise each other up and will raise the children up in our community. So that is like that's our tribal nature for women to build each other up and work together in the community to help raise the next generation up. So if girls knew that fundamental um, connection, starting with the moon and the cycles and, you know, birthing and things like that, I think a lot more women will have that deeper feeling to go, okay, let, let's raise each other up instead of, you know, tearing each other down because that's what we're yeah. naturally meant Actually, you saying that, I started getting goosebumps because I just, I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, that that is so beautiful and so connected. And you you kind of like in this day and age, you really do feel a, a sense of disconnection. And I suppose that disconnection comes from a various different reasons. You know, one is disconnection from the community, disconnection from each other, disconnection from nature. Um, and, and yeah, really, really that, um, that lack of, and so many people feel that they're separate and, um, but in yeah. actual fact, we actually are so connected in so many ways. And, and this is just one of those extra ways. That's so beautiful. Yeah, we really just got to remember. And this is why women are like, oh, I got goosebumps because it's in your DNA to, to, and you're just remembering. So anything I say, you, this isn't new stuff. It's just helping you to remember this. Mm. Oh, actually, I read an experiment that they did a little while ago where they took a bunch of um, lab rats and they got a, la a rat to go and look for the cheese. And then um, I think it was after it had its offspring, the offspring were, took a lot faster um, to find that cheese. And so that was one of the fair few studies that they'd done that suggests that there is potential um, memory being stored in our DNA. 100%. Yeah. That there's a lot more coming out. A lot I've heard heaps of more stories about that as well. Yeah. So that is that is really really interesting, and I absolutely absolutely love females. Honestly, empowering each other um, and and staying connected. And then obviously once we broaden that, it's no longer even males and females. It's it's all of us as a community staying together and building each other up. Because um, you know obviously I can't really speak for for males, but I can see you can just see the disconnection there too. And and um, you know, there's that divine masculine that's really coming out where a lot of guys are saying, hey, you know, let's maybe um, talk about what's going on or um, let's start doing things together because there's also that whole male uh, depression, which is is quite prominent. Um, and I think it's more men commit suicide every year than females, but females are more vocal and in, in, in talking about it. But even that, you know, if, if you were part of a big community, that would really flow so much easier where you know that everybody has a other's back, you know that you're raising children together, you know that you are not alone, you are okay. Um, 
Yeah, I think men have have got it really hard because as much like I'm in a loving relationship and I love him and he's very masculine men. Um, but, you know, I see men that come and see me as a naturopath that are, they don't know their role in society, particularly mm. when women are like, well, we can do it all and we can do it whilst we bleed, you know, like there's a very strong uh, women coming out there as well. But we also got to respect our men. Mm. And, you know, there's that saying, I can't remember, it's very loosely on this, but this is my sort of philosophy is that I can do um, everything a man can do, but mm. I'm smart enough to let him do it for me. And mm. it's that that sort of thing like I allow my boyfriend to pay for dinner. I allow my boyfriend to open up the door and do all those, you know, like masculine things. And, mm. you know, I don't ever put him down and I always make him feel quite masculine because I feel like that's what we need to do with men as well is make them feel needed mm. because we can't do it all. We need yeah. our men. <laughs> We physically can't do it all, so we need to make them feel just as special and mm. safe to open up. Oh, and I love I love that word, safe to open up. That is, that's brilliant because it. I think it's two ways where, like, as soon as you start to feel comfortable, you slowly open up, and then they feel comfortable, and then they slowly open up, and together you guys are feeling safe and supported to open up and be okay and um, build that that beautiful bond. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Really do yeah yeah conscious relationships i think that that's what it would definitely fall under and bringing out that because also i mean we're probably going slightly off topic but um i'm not sure if you are um familiar or know a lot about like the divine masculine the divine feminine where you know there's a lot of people that are saying that you have both within you um and you know you'll have certain characteristical traits that will be very masculine and kind of like okay i'll go out and um get these things done and you know uh, really proactive and then you have a divine feminine which is nurturing caring um relaxing kind of being more um artistic and creative and it's always that beautiful dance and that beautiful balance between the two and i suppose not even just uh, an intimate relationship any relationship with everybody around you it's how can i bring out and support that divine masculine divine feminine within you and within myself um, and know that there is all of that within all of us um yeah. Do you know? Oh, I, totally. And that is probably one of my biggest philosophies is that balancing that masculine and feminine inside of all of us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the world has been quite masculine, so mm -hmm. to say. You know, it's always been about me, me, me. How do I get onto the top? And, you know, the leaders of this past century really have if this philosophy almost like if I can't make them love me, I'm going to make them fear me. So they've mm -hmm. come into power like you look back in British history, like there was wars and kings will, you know, uh, change over literally overnight if they were killed in battle. So there was always this masculine sort of, and masculine can be positive and there's always that positive and negative as well. That's why it's so deep sort of mm. thing. But it's been very, um, everything's been really pushed upon us and mm. it's it's totally changed now. This this world is opening up more feminine. The energy's changed. So which is really exciting, but a lot of us are a bit confused on how do we deal with that. Mm -hmm. And I, I suppose even um, even if you look at maybe, because I read and it was, it was really, um, really inspired me or uh, awoke something where it's like, well, that may not even be, have been the divine masculine of what we've experienced. That was even a broken masculine where it was kind of like, 
um, if you are a leader, you, you really care about everybody around you and you're uplifting everybody together and you there's no limited resources. So it's kind of like we've been taught, okay, there's a limited amount of resources. Only a certain amount of people can get a job. Only a certain amount of people can get to the top. In actual fact, you can actually do it together. You can lift each other up. There's nothing. Everything is really unlimited. It really is. Um, and it's only what we're placing a limitation on. And so it, it's almost like, well, maybe a divine masculine could be uh, proactive, but proactive to get going hunting together as a group, um, doing things as an active participation, but as a collective. Um, and so it's almost like, okay, well, now we've taken that um, and we've broken it. And then we've said, okay, well, now you have to go in and, and stab each other in the back in order to get to the top. Um, and so it, that may not even be masculine. It's kind of like a broken masculinity that we've all been diving into um, to, to live this, yeah, this social norm that people are starting to, to, to wake up and have these conversations and, and build each other up, which I love. Yeah, I 100% agree. Totally agree. Mm. Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, I suppose we maybe went slightly off topic in regards to a neutropathy. So, yeah, I'd be keen to um, speak a little bit more about that. And so tell me a bit more about like the gut um, gut biomes and, and kind of what happens all in there. Yes, I guess uh, being a naturopath, you cannot go past asking about poo and gut health because it is fundamental. If my patient's guts aren't happy, you need to go fix them straight away um, because it's the way that your 80% of your immune system is in the gut. 70% um, of serotonin is secreted in the gut. So this is like your neurotransmitter to make you feel happy and motivated, which converts into melatonin. So this is really important for sleep and recovery and testosterone and muscle growth. So gut health is really very important. And yeah, I just, um, I guess there's a lot of different gut issues that's happening from gut dysbiosis, from leaky gut to, um, you know, parasites and bacteria. So I always like to, um, depending on my patient, I love to uh, do pathology testing and do a, a poo analysis. And it can teach us things from leaky gut to um, if there's parasites, if they have different bacteria that will make them obese. So they've found out that there's firmicutes and bacteria deep. So if I had good bacteria, good bacteria and you had the negative family of bacteria and we were both fed 100 grams of chicken, I would burn off all of the calories as energy. But because you've had the bad bacteria, you'd actually store 200 calories. Same chicken, but because you've got the bad bacteria, you would start to put on weight. So now that um, they've realized this, they've brought out a capsule with the good healthy bacteria from me and they're going to give it to people that have got diabetes, heart disease, obesity, and they're losing weight. And they, they've called it the crapsule, um, <laughs> being a poo and crap. So, um, yeah, I think gut health, and we're just stemming, like just stemming the amount of different bacteria that's in the gut and how it's so heavily linked to autism and mental health. So um, gut health is a huge topic, So, but it's something that I'm very passionate about and I know a lot about it because that's why you'd go to a naturopath. We've got yeah. so many tricks in our toolbox for it. So yeah. because like um, previously I used to be, um, you know, massively into to the whole gym scene and so I would wake up and, you know, take some pre-workout and go and train and, you know, when I felt a little bit lethargic, I would 
you know, drink some energy drinks and really, you know, and um, I found that my stomach completely bloated, like I felt bloated all the time. Um, and then I was just not conscious of that whole process um, because that was part of that whole disconnection from self, disconnection from um, what is actually healthy for you and working with your body instead of against it. So um, tell me a little bit more about people who are going through that. Like, how do you know? Um, what are some of the telltale signs that you actually need to really be conscious of your gut? Um, yeah. I think bloating's very common for mm. people. Um, and bloating, if you're bloating, you're not going to feel good. And all of your attention then is like, oh, my God, I feel like crap. I want to go home because it's just it's very uncomfortable feeling. The telltale signs that I actually look at is when they're eating. So if they're eating quickly, they're not getting the message from the gut uh, from the brain to the gut to slow down. It's like, hey, Alexa, let's slow down and send some blood down to the gut because we're just eating on the run these days. Mm. Um, I think it's easier now that we're all mostly at home working, you know, from home. But um, they brought a study in Sydney with uh, five CEOs um, to tell them to go home and eat their food so they can actually digest it like siesta time they do in Spain because they've got great gut health. And these guys were so stressed. They're like, I can't go and eat. I have to go and to this. Um, I need to go here. I need to go to, to that meeting. I need to reply to these emails. So they got so stressed with eating mindfully. They had to cancel uh, their study. So we don't allow ourselves to sit down and properly digest foods. Therefore, it just sits there and it's fermenting and you get bloating and then you get nutrient deficiencies as well. Um, so I just, I'm a huge believer on eating mindfully, like get back to basics. I could give you all the herbs to support your digestion, but if you're still sitting there eating quickly and not being mindful, nothing's going to fall into place. So mindful eating. And I put a lot of my patients, I know it sounds mean, but I put them on a chew challenge and a chew challenge is where they have to chew their food until it's liquid. So literally they have to chew like 20 to 30 times until that's liquid and then they can swallow but oh my goodness their poos are really nice they have less bloating better digestion less reflux because they've actually like made that food so digested already that their gut goes thanks i know how to use that b vitamin thanks i know how to use that zinc instead of it being so chunky they're like i can't digest that piece of steak like what the hell is that so Start from here and, and chew your food really, really, really well. Wow. Wow. Phenomenal. So I'm um, just going back to, I suppose, people who are um, maybe questioning if they have any any sort of uh, gut issues. Would you say that the main telltale signs would be uh, bloating? Uh, you said uh, indigestion and continuous influx of? Reflux, so feeling that burning sensation, um, feeling stabbing pains in the gut as well. Um constipation like you want to be pooing every day so I always pull out a Bristol stool chart I make sure my patients pooing every day if they're not we're looking at too much fiber because sometimes have you made psyllium husk and you put it in water and it goes really thick oh, so sometimes yeah. are taking way too much uh, fiber so it's actually bad for for these patients because it just all binds um, if it's runny it's then we're talking about a food intolerance so when you are exposed to something you don't like, you know when you, you have a virus and you're like a chew and you're trying to flush it out? 
It's same thing with your gut. If you have had something you don't like, it's like Alexa, get it out. And the quickest way is either you vomit when you have food poisoning or you go to the toilet. So a lot of patients will have a glass of milk and they've got diarrhea. And that's a that's a key uh, allergy response. So if you're having diarrhea, it's an allergy. Um, so they're the main ones that we always look at. Always start from the top and we work our way down the bottom and just ask those signs. Wow, sorry, I just had an alarm go off. Um, yeah, wow, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely quite interesting. So um, you're looking at your stool. Is there any colours that you should be looking for? Like if maybe, you know, if people want to have a, like a sneak peek and see if um, they, it's the right colour, does that? I always recommend that. Sometimes if you have too much iron, it's, it can be quite um, black. Mm. Um, you, I'm always looking out for blood in the stool. I'm always looking out for in, uh, undigestible foods. Corn's really popular, but if my patient starts to see things like um, green leafy vegetables, then that's a major concern that they're nutrient deficient and they're not producing enough hydrochloric acid because they could be eating everything, but they're not digesting anything. So that's a, something we look out for as well. Um, color, nice a nice brown, I guess. Um, so, yeah, that's a couple of telltale tell, tell signs that we look for in the stool. And and every single day, like you said, so if you don't, if you're not going every day, that's definitely something to be questioning and being like, okay, what's going on here? Hundred percent. It is the way that your body gets rid of chemicals, toxins, synthetic hormones. You want to be having a good daily poo. Mm, wow okay and um, in terms of I suppose one of the big things that so many people talk about is like having so much water like water 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 um would you is there a specific amount of water that you recommend that people drink in order to kind of help that process or is it different for each person or I know that they say something with your body weight like it's um you know something mills to your body weight that's what we learned in uni I never really followed that I just followed your pee if you're peeing bright yellow um you're dehydrated could be a um like a supplement but you want to have a very nice pale pee so i just always get my patients to look at pee but rule of thumb i aim to get three liters with my patients children half that so 1.5 liters um rule of thumb we're all different but check out your pee you want it nice and clear Okay, wow. So if you're consuming three litres of water a day, roughly, what kind of benefits does it actually have on your body? We're, our body's like 70% water, so we need to stay hydrated. Mm. Um, every single cell relies on hydration and it relies on us to have water. Um, so it refreshes us, it hydrates us. Um, so it's, it's essential. We, we need to have, we can go longer without food, but if we go a couple of days without water, we we're dead really wow <laughs> and i suppose with that um you have stuff like coffee alcohol which are and tea which is all actually dehydrations so people would have like you know five cups of tea or th an average person would say two cups of coffee and end up being very dehydrated well that's it um my partner's british so they like would you like a tea would you like tea they have tea like every hour um <laughs> I know that they have to look out because tea has tenons and tenons bind to things and they bind to things like iron and zinc, which are really important for the body. So you need to be avoiding tea and coffee away from food. Um, but you know what? One coffee a day is actually beneficial 
particularly good, healthy, organic coffee. It's great for, um, it can reverse Alzheimer's, what's beneficial in the treatment of Alzheimer's. But yeah, I love coffee. I love, I stick to one cup of coffee per day. But if a patient's having any more than one, they're kind of using it like a pre-workout or, a, a you know, a, a drug um, really. So just limit yourself to one coffee per day. Okay, cool. Actually, and what um, that just triggered a memory where before I was talking about pre-workout and one of the big mistakes that so many people make, and you know, I learned about this just from having excessive bloating because of that, is um, with the microbiomes, the more you drink uh, pre-workout, I think it gives you like the bad gut bacteria and that's what causes bloating because I think it's like their poo or something, that like the actual microbiomes, the way that they uh, digest food, their byproduct uh, makes you bloat. I'm not sure if that's correct or how that works. I think it might, I'm not too sure either, but I do know that pre-workouts contain a lot of synthetic um, sugar alcohols. So to make it, so some of the things that are found in pre-workouts are things like um, L-carnitine. And L-carnitine is really good for fat burning, mm. but it tastes so sour. Like it, it's so sour, it's like astringent. So companies are like, oh my gosh, we need to make it sweeter because humans just love sweetness. So mm. they'll put artificial sugar alcohol. So you know these by listening to um, xylitol, like an alcohol. Um, mm. So we're like, mm, this tastes good. So when we have it, we actually don't break it down. Our gut microflora breaks it down. And when they eat it, they ferment and they create gas. And oh my goodness, it can really hurt. Um, if you've ever had those like sugar-free lollies or sugar-free gummies mm. I, remember, I remember working in a pharmacy and they brought them out I literally over that whole like seven eight hour shift I ate a whole packet I was in so much pain it, it really hurt I was so uncomfortable and you're just you're so gassy it's like a brick in your stomach it's because I wasn't feeding me I was feeding all the bacteria and mm. um lesson learned that was when they were first coming out by the way so I wasn't too um aware of how bad they were wow. yeah they uh, well that that's actually going into um where you don't really choose your food it's actually your microbiome that craves certain things so like the more of one sort of gut bacteria you have you'll be more inclined to reach for certain foods like more sweet or um, more savory or yeah I was, um, this might be a bit off topic, but I did a stool test on one of my patients and she come back extremely high candida and she has really strong sugar cravings so much that she will need honey, like just really just honey. She'll sit there and eat it. And I'm like, you know, it's not you physically that wants it. It's the candida telling your body. So what they would do is they release these chemicals and they pass into your brain and they go, Alexa, get sugar now so you get almost crazy wanting to get sugar and there's actually it works like a, a virus as well there's a virus that will get inside of a, a mouse and then the, it'll change its brain it'll go hey get in front of a cat so yeah. the cat will eat the, the mouse and then mm -hmm. the virus will escape and take over the cat and then it will kill the cat like i know that sounds weird but these things take over your body Ooh. um and so does gut microflora. Weird topic, but it, it that really does exist. That story. Yeah, no, I've actually I've I've read about that um before. I re I really have. Um, so that when I saw that, I was like, what the hell? That's so crazy. How it can actually yeah. cause a mouse to to essentially kill itself, like jumping in front of uh, in front of a cat. So that's so interesting. Yeah. And even for myself, like I've noticed. Um, so this year, um, well, twenty twenty, 
uh, during the year of COVID, I was actually quite lucky to uh, be spending all that time traveling around uh, Southeast Asia. Um, and I found that because I was away from my normal environment, I didn't really have, I used to eat quite a fair few sweet things. And like your friend who was having honey, um, I had honey in everything. Like I really um, felt really drawn to sweeter things. And while I went traveling, I just gradually, I don't know, I just stopped really going for that because it wasn't really around my immediate environment. And I found that within a month of not really having sugar, I just no longer craved it. And now I'm, I'm more drawn to say, if I have two options, like a sweet thing or a savory thing, I find myself naturally drawn to the savory thing. And I really believe that that is because those microbiomes that used to eat a lot of the sweet stuff, um, I've now passed that through and that's no longer, I'm now built up that savory stuff. Yeah, and you you would have changed your receptors as well. So this time you'd eat a carrot and you'd be like, well, this carrot's really sweet. So because all the receptors now can pick up on the sweetness. Yeah. Um, but if you're like sipping on juice and, and Diet Coke and all that, their receptors are so fried um, mm. that they just need more and more and more. So that's awesome that you were able to, you know, get away sugar because that is so addictive. It's very addictive sugar. Well, it's more addictive than cocaine. I mean, it really yeah. is. <laughs> and nobody talks about that. That's that's one of those part of, you know, who control it. Like if you look at big companies and you'll say, oh, well, we've been advertised everywhere that uh, it's sugar that makes you, um, sh well, okay, for the first of all, it's like it's fat that makes you fat, not sugar. And so then everybody will be like, oh, I'll get, um, I'll make sure that I get all these fat-free stuff that's loaded with sugar um, because you're being fed marketing that is completely, completely wrong. Yeah, my mum grew up in the 70s, 80s. So all of that fad was um, sugar-free. And that came out of a loose study by one guy that was paid by the sugar industry. And just that one study completely derailed the whole nutritional panel. It started in America, and then it's obviously spread around the world. But um, crazy how when companies and money get involved, the people's health is not the priority. It's to make profits. Mm. And that's why it is really negative to have any sort of company involved in nutrition involved in health because at the end of the day they're not there to you know make us healthy they're there to make profits mm. and that is why I feel like so many um, people are suffering from heart attacks and diabetes because we're just so misinformed mm. really misinformed mm. well I mean your big thing to all those people who are listening at the moment like um, make sure that when you are at a supermarket, don't just go for the fat-free yogurt because you think that fat-free yogurt is a thing because guys, they are literally shoving that stuff with so much crap. You know, yeah. natural is better, organic is better, full fat, you know, that's great. And it'll fill you up for much longer too. You're not gonna have, so like when you have a lot of sugar and you can definitely clarify this, you, you'd have a sugar spike and then you'd have a giant drop. And then you all of a sudden you feel dizzy and lethargic and so you eat again and what do you do? Oh, well, I'm gonna cut out the fat. So go for the, my diet soda or whatever it is and you know the exact same thing yeah it's terrible it's it's terrible um but I think we're starting to make the shift now people there's some really good documentaries out there as well um I quit sugar is really good she sticks to under five grams of sugar per 100 grams um I find that very useful for my patients to follow um and yeah there's a lot of more like really cool documentaries out there to, to help us change that belief that yeah fat's bad because it's not and the same thing also with um veganism is i've found like people are like oh yeah you know i'm gonna go vegan because it's really healthy but then you buy all of these uh foods that are on the shelf 
that are loaded with crap in them anyway. So it's also not just saying, well, if I cut out one thing, then all of a sudden I'll be healthy. It's, it's looking at the back of what you're purchasing just because it has the label health on it doesn't actually mean that it's healthy. What is inside of there and can you even recognize those ingredients? Because if you can't, then chances are your body may not either. Oh, absolutely. And I see a lot of patients that are vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian. I've seen everything. And you study, you've studied nutrition, you know everything. But um, everybody's so individual. And I feel like there's, I've met some really good, healthy vegans. And I've met some really bad vegans. I mean, a packet of potato chips is classified as vegan. And I've met someone that's just been eating that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. Um, so when it comes down to your health, you can I'm 100% you know support anyone any style of eating but you have to make sure that you're you're supporting your body's nutritional status because yeah there's good vegans there's bad vegans and yeah it's you have to look after the body mm. and i suppose one of those really good um telltale signs would probably be or, or things to go off of is how colorful and how wholesome can i make my plate of food like really yeah. adding all the cool colors and um, everything like if you can grow it, I reckon you can eat it. Well, I mean, besides poison yeah. berries, and like that, but <laughs> obviously that's been given. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we have to get back to wholesome foods. We have to get back to knowing where we purchase foods. Like I'm here in Ellie Beach, and there's one woman that um, is like our pretty much closest to organic, and we literally all line up because it's, it's classified as rural here. Um, and it is about just supporting your local um, growers because they are in every every town. And when you go there, the food's alive. The people who make them are happier and healthier. And um, it is about putting in a little bit more effort and really going to meet the farmer who, who wears your food from. Mm. Uh, I think that's a huge change and a shift that we all need to start making. Because mm. I suppose even going back to like industries in that regard where <clears throat> even the way that they treat farmers a lot of the time is quite cruel where like cause, because big companies like in Australia Coles and Woolworths are the two major brands and uh, they'll be fighting against each other to try and cut the cost as low as possible. So they'll go to the farmer and they'll say, okay, cool, well, let's just try and reduce the price as much as possible so that we can reduce the price of the end result. But when you're coming together once again as a community, not to maximize profit, but to honestly boost everybody up, it's like, okay, cool. Well, how can I support that person um, instead of how can I maximize profit for myself? Again, that, yeah, again, it's it's all about maximizing profits. They're a company. Um, and people like farmers miss out. And oh my goodness, farmers are the hardest working people. They mm. never have breaks. They work 12 hour days. They are the hardest workers, like literally hardest workers. And, yeah, you can tell that a lot of farmers have naturally just shut shop or sold off because they just can't they can't do it anymore. It's not sustainable. Mm. Wow. And that's where you have a lot of the big chains now buying up the little farms because the little farms can't um, handle it. And then you have that whole monopoly effect where it's like, okay, well, now you have one company really dominating the food industry. But then when you have issues like COVID, you, you know, when everyone was stocking up on um, toilet paper and so on, you realize how fragile the entire system is where we need that food to come in. But if there is a disconnect or something happens, we're not diversifying. We're, you know, having a monopoly. And so that's a huge effect on, on our economy and our society too, is um, not relying on one or two companies, but distributing it to so many farmers and loving your farmers and caring about your farmers and supporting them. 
Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, I don't know if, if many people are aware, but there's, um, you know, a lot of crop coming out from China mm. and those farms out there, uh, the quality and they're mostly like frozen, so frozen berries or um, frozen vegetables and things like that. So they are trying to dominate the market. And I know that you said, you know, Coles and Woolworths are always trying to fight. But when it comes down to it, they are still importing foods from China. And, you know, we need to start even looking at just getting Australian grown food because mm -hmm. this is where it's so important here because they're mm -hmm. producing, you know, food that is so cheap um, mm -hmm. and really poor nutritional value and shipping it over here. And, um yeah, just something to be aware of. Get get Australian grown. Mm. You're going to be supporting our local farmers no matter mm. what store you're in. Mm. That's so true. And, like, in regards to that, um, do you think that there's any rules and regulations um, regarding, like, herbicides and pesticides? Because it's even that. It's like we don't actually fully understand what they're spraying on their crops um, and even in some of the foods that we buy. It's terrible. Um you, you don't and you need to wash there's something um, called the dirty dozen and clean 15 by the Invent environmental workers group so these are a um, non-for-profit group and they will test all of the fruits and veggies and they will go okay the highest mostly sprayed herbicide pesticide um, two that have been on top of the list forever are strawberries and apples and I know as a young girl I used to pick up an apple all the time and eat it and I was exposing my body to the pesticides and herbicides and things like that um so they're really useful to to look at um and then they've got the clean 15 which is a less highly sprayed but when you're getting frozen vegetables and things like that you can't really wash them um mm. either which makes it worse particularly all the frozen berries that have come through and they're mostly from chile or china mm. and they are sprayed a lot um so i highly recommend to get the um, dirty dozen and clean 15 and just have a look at what you're actually buying and if you can afford it because I know it's expensive but get the dirty ones like your apples organic get your strawberries organic pay that extra little bit of money to get organic and then just wash all your other vegetables even if you bought them conventional just wash them really well in warm soapy water you can get a, a good um, vegetable wash but once they're gone you notice the difference in taste and quality it, it's completely different so I'm um, out of curiosity because obviously I'm, I'm, well, I'm one of those people who my grandmother would be like, you know, have you, Alex, have you washed that um, apple or have you washed that fresh one? I'm like, yeah, fine. <laughs> you know, it's been grabbing, grab. But now actually discussing with you, what effect does that have on your body if you um, eat the food straight away without washing it? Herbicides and pesticides and uh, all of these entering the body, they're going straight to your liver because they need to be processed. So they're playing a huge burden on your liver they're creating um some of these are known as carcinogens so they're deeply connected with cancer cells um they are estrogenic so they're called endocrine disruptors so some of them will go into your body like bpa found in plastics and herbicides and they will tell your body to become feminine so for women estrogen grows the uterine lining for your period so women will start to get heavy clotty periods really sore tender breasts, difficulty losing weight, almost putting on weight around her hips, butts and thighs, slowing down the thyroid, so you're getting more constipation and fatigue. For men, men get women like the signal to become a woman. So they become more emotional. They become more 
um, they put on a lot more weight around the hips, butts and thighs, and they, they create man boobs as well. Um, and it's because of they're getting that signal to become a woman because of these chemicals which are disrupting their uh, endocrine, disru uh, endocrine system. Um, boys' testicles are becoming distorted and they don't just hang around in them. For women, they are passed down to three generations. So what we're exposed to, your great, great grandchildren will be having that in their system. So it's very dangerous. It's, it's very dangerous. And it's going to affect our next generation, which is even more of a reason for us to start taking responsibility and becoming aware of what we're doing in our body. It will break my heart to know that, you know, my great-granddaughter is going to have period problems or my, you know, great-grandson will have testicle problems. Like It breaks my heart. So, um, yeah, I've got to look out for what I'm doing now so they don't get that. Wow, that is so that is so eye-opening. That seriously, that's now actually really got me um, <laughs> concerned about that. So in regards to, because I did also read like a little while ago that um, a lot of the farmers, and obviously this also depends on which country you're in and the regulations around that, where you would take cows and you would pump the cows with hormones in order to produce um, more milk. And so then yeah. when we drink the milk, we are actually drinking those hormones as like what you were saying in regards to um, the men experiencing uh, testicle issues or even um, becoming more feminine um, through that process. Yeah, and they're pumping the cows full of steroids so that they don't get, they're going to get infected because we're, you know, asking them to pump out milk 24-7. Mm. And it's, oh, it's, it's, we should not be drinking milk for one. Um, but this is all being passed down to us, which is changing our gut microflora. Again, you know, our gut microflora is like the bee's knees of our health. And mm. we're constantly being exposed to antibiotics and, and synthetic hormones and that. So cow's milk, honestly, if any, you can do anything for your health, get off cow's milk. And there's so many other opportunities like coconut milk and almond milk and things like that to start drinking. But milk's one of the worst. It really is one of the worst things that we can be having. Why, why is that, just um, so we know? Well, again, exposure to antibiotics, um, there is, you know, going back to nature, there is no other mammal that drinks another one's milk. You know, we're the only ones that get cow's milk. Like, it's not produced for humans. Cow's milk is naturally meant to make a little calf, like mm. a big cow. So mm. it's in, it increases uh, a hormone called um, the IGF-1 interleukin glucose factor, so it's like um, it's like a growth hormone and it makes you grow really quickly and it's highly inflammatory. So this is why uh, milk is connected with acne because it grows really quickly. Um, and it's highly inflammatory due to that. And a lot of us um, are intolerant to it. So the proteins and the sugar, the lactose, the casein and whey, they're really big. So when we are ingesting them and we're breaking them down, your body's kind of like, Alexa, that's so heavy. I, I can't digest that. I'm not used to it. I don't have the enzymes to break you down. So this is why people will start to just go, I can't break you down, so I'm going to flush it out. And, and this is why people will go, have diarrhea. Or if it, if it doesn't go that way, it's going to flush out through the mucous membranes, just like you have an allergy, you get snotty and runny. So this mm. is why people get eczema or asthma is linked straight away linked to dairy because of that 
mucus trying to build up to flush it out. Um, allergies, snotty nose, hay fever, it's all linked to dairy because of that. You get out of my body. I'm going to make mucus to, to get it out. That's so interesting. And I suppose also, once again, that goes back to the same thing we are talking about before, where there was those, um, you know, everyone was taught, okay, well, a great stable diet is having a glass of milk every day with your cereal, which is covered in sugar, and, um, you know, mm. your whatever it may be, um, your processed orange juice. And I think recently I read a study where they said that actually drinking too much milk um, can decrease your calcium in your bones. It doesn't increase them, which is another why. <laughs> I know. So we got to remember that back in like the 1940s, um, the people that were in charge were the, the dairy industry. So they were putting millions of dollars into making milk really good. Remember that ad where they got all these athletes to drink milk and they had the milk um, moustache? Like, so they pay, they have the money there to pay to trick you. They're so good at marketing um, and it's it's terrible. Wow. <laughs> so try to avoid dairy as much as possible. Yeah, no, and actually, you know, that really does make sense where um, even if you're looking at babies, like when you're a baby, you uh, breastfeed, you, you know, from your mother or your mother breastfeeds you. But then up until a certain age, you can then start eating other things and breaking other foods down. Um, and so that was a very valid point that A, um, cow's milk is meant for cows, not humans. And B, um, that w if you're a fully grown adult, you shouldn't really be drinking milk. So that definitely does make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, all these documentaries are coming out where people are saying uh, being vegetarian and being vegan is better. What are your thoughts on eating meat, um, you know, and, and your thoughts on not? What is beneficial for the human body? I personally eat meat. I don't eat it all the time, but I definitely eat it around my period time where I'm naturally just craving more iron. Um, but my partner, yeah, he's, he's Welsh, so you cannot get him to be a vegetarian. Like, they're just they've got this thing in their brain like they have to eat meat. So I always make sure we, we eat organic grass-fed meat. And this is really important to understand because when mammals like chickens and, and cows um, and or animals eat grass, mm. they convert the grass into omega-3s, which is anti-inflammatory. It helps with connective tissue. It helps with brain development. It's a really good healthy fat. Mm. When the animals are fed grain, they convert the grain into omega-6s, which is pro-inflammatory. So this is linked to cardiovascular disease, obesity, diabetes. So they're not the best fats to have. Mm. So by having grass-fed, and I mean grass-fed fish, we eat a lot of fish actually. So I more follow a, a pescatarian diet where um, fish and a lot of veggies, but we occasionally mm. eat our meat. Mm. Um, but making sure that your animal has been fed grass will mean that you've got enough omega-3s. Mm. Um, and this is tricky because in the supermarkets, it will say, hey, this is an organic chicken. And you think like, yeah, great. I'm going to spend an extra $5 to buy this organic chicken. Mm. But at the back of the pack, it will go, this chicken's fed grain. So it's almost like because it's fed organic grain, but it's mm. not grass fed. Mm. So in all honesty, it's like, well, why bother paying an extra $5 when they're all just fed grain anyway? So mm. always look out for um, that and always go for grass fed. Mm, brilliant yeah because you know for myself um being an animal lover i really i've been on and off vegetarian um on and off vegan for probably like 10 years of my life um yeah. and it always transitions to the point where like i get when i go vegetarian vegan i get like really 
dizzy when I stop eating um, meat or any of that, and I really struggle to concentrate. My memory starts to get really bad. Um, but then, and then I feel guilty every single time I eat meat. And one thing I'm really starting to um, really think about is like, I do believe that it's a natural process for um, humans to consume uh, meat. I mean, you can do it without if you're making sure that you're getting all of your nutritional um, value or your nutrition place. But if it's like you loving the animal, the animal's had a beautiful life, it's spent its time eating in the meadows and, you know, it's being killed in a, in a beautiful, humane way. I believe that that's almost like it's part of that beautiful circle of respect for everyone, respect for your food, yeah. um, and that, that animal's eaten really nice, it's had a beautiful life, but it's that, once again, greed and consumerism where it's like, okay, let's go into these big um, mass-produced companies, let's put them in tiny little pens, let's really cause them to have so much stress, um, we're pumping them with hormones, and then we're killing them, and then we're eating them, and then all those, that, that whole process is disconnected. Um, so it's not even the, the, the act of eating meat, I'm coming to terms with it's actually more the act of the respect and the love of the animal and how that transitions and where, where does that work? hundred percent agree with this. When you're eating an animal filled with stress, you are eating uh, meat that is literally filled with the hormone cortisol and cortisol is a stress hormone. And you can, I know this sounds really gross and I'm sure vegans are listening to it right now. They're just like, these girls are just crazy. But um, <laughs> The, the stress meat, you can taste that cortisol. It's rough, it's hard, it, it's dry. It's it's not a very nice piece of piece of meat to eat. Um, and back in the old days, we did not eat as much meat as we did. We would have had meat every, you know, every um, winter or every solstice. You know, we had it like maybe once a month. Uh, mm. We did not have it daily. And... Mm. I think we've really got to respect where we're getting our our meats from as well and being aware that if you're going to have a meat that's packed full of steroids and antibiotics and chemicals, you're, you're doing more harm to the body. Mm. Um, and that goes along with the different fish and the different poultry as well. So, yeah, I think good quality over quantity is is very important. But then you look at these companies, they're making money. They're making trillions of dollars selling, you know, beef. So they're trying to produce it as quick as possible, feed them up with grain to make them fat, just so they can put extra pocket, you know, money in their pocket at the end of the day. So I think um, people need to realise where are they actually getting their food from. And I suppose, you know, if enough people, people would say, oh, it's such a crazy idea to to stop these companies. But I think that if enough people were like, hey, you know, I'm going to be conscious of where I'm buying my food. I'm going to be conscious of what I'm eating. And they start switching to only buying um, produce from farmers that really love and respect and grow the animals in a humane way. It's transitioning away from profit to to care and to love and to, um, and, and then if enough people do that, then they'll be profiting. So they'll take off. And, and so it'll completely shift, um, shift that whole cycle. Yeah, we, and that's a, a great point because we do have the power and we have it every time we're at the checkout purchasing what mm. we believe in. Mm. And that's what we got to remember. And perhaps we need to spend an extra, you know, $20, $30 extra on our grocery shop every week. Or, but at least that $20, $30 is going to our belief that, mm. um, you know, we want good quality foods. We want our animals, if we choose to eat some meat, um, 
brought up on, you know, grass and let them graze, you know, don't have, you know, store or caged in eggs and things like that are really important. And they do cost a little bit of money. But in the scheme of things, if you're paying an extra $30 per grocery shop, your $30 isn't just going to the supermarket, it's going to these farmers, it's going to a bigger belief that we need to start looking after our animals and treating them properly um, and supporting these farmers that are doing that instead of supporting caged in and, and grain-fed beef and things like that. Mm, and that's, so that's shifting to, like what we spoke about earlier, it's um, caring about each other, supporting each other, nourishing each other in terms of females and males, and then caring about our animals and, and where they're coming from um, and caring about the planet and caring about, you know, growing your own fruit and vegetables, growing, focusing on gardening, coming back to earth, back to basics. Like, that's... Uh, Imagine a world where we could all literally live like that. It would be, it would be so beautiful. And um, I really believe that we all have that power. Like you said, um, if enough people start, it's, it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful dream. And I do believe it's possible. Me too. I, I certainly do as well. Is there any other foods that you can think of off the top of your head that um, you know most people consume, uh, which we don't really associate or know about? Um, look, going for fermented foods. I think is really important, sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, mm. and sprouts. Uh, I know that everyone here in Heli Beach when COVID happened, our Bunnings, which is that warehouse store, everyone was going to get veggies. And it's like everyone wanted to live off grid. They got really scared. But I went to um, sprouting, uh, which is broccoli seeds and kale seeds. And I think the whole world needs to get onto it because you just sprout them in jars. And they have a high amount of sulforaphane. And I knew within three days that little tablespoon would be like three cups of sprouts that I can start eating straight away. Um, so sprouts are like this hidden superfood um, that I think a lot of us should have. And I actually, I get women who are coming off birth control to start taking it because it works really well with liver. Mm. Um, so they're probably my favorite foods to start having. Wow. Okay. So guys, get on, uh, get on the sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> that's really 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 cool um yeah actually that that was quite frightening um when everybody was like running in and trying to grab as much food as they possibly could because you know people should be growing their own food and vegetables they really should because the benefit of that is like we we're saying before where the society is quite fragile where everyone's relying on um the connection yeah. between a big company farmer and um the big massive chains of grocery stores where and we don't know what they're putting on the foods i mean australia is much better with their regulations in regards to that but um, if all of us are growing our own fruit and vegetables, you would know where it's from. You would know what you put in it. It's better for the environment. Um, it's, be it's better for you. It's better for everyone. 100%. I totally, totally agree. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and then I just, oh, yeah, so that so earlier we were talking about um, the menstrual cycle and, uh, you know, going on contraceptive. And you just said now, that's what triggered my memory is you were talking about um, getting your clients to get onto sprouts. What? If you are somebody that has been taking the pill, um, you know, for numerous years and now you've listened to this and you're like, wow, okay, actually the pill is maybe not so healthy for me because A, it's not natural and B, it's not natural. <laughs> um, so what, what are the processes that females can do to transition off of that? And obviously one of the main things is looking at um, birth control um, and uh, I think skin and hormonal imbalances. Yeah, well, firstly, getting off the pill, you, I specialize in this because I've seen a lot of girls coming to me to get off their synthetic birth control. Um, I have got a lot of free information about it. 
Um, I've got a free cheat sheet on how to do it, but you're really wanting to support the detoxification of the hormones, so supporting your liver, um, and that's through food and vegetables, um, supporting gut health. So I'm a very strong believer that pooing is going to be clearing out the synthetic hormones um, and living a toxin-free life where we talk about um, the exposure to those synthetic hormones that we're naturally getting in through plants and vegetables and makeup and, you know, cleaning products. Um, so jump online and and have a look at that free because I, I dive deep because that's a whole new, you know, conversation there. Um, and then helping women to embrace their menstrual cycles is absolutely incredible. So this is really my passion. And I've, I've done a, um, a free talk about it as well on my YouTube channel where I go through the different seasons and how you can use your different seasons then to have better relationships, have better workouts as well because your workouts are going to change, how you can have better nutrition because your taste buds are going to change as well, um, and how you can show up in your business and relationships a lot better by being guided by your menstrual cycle because it's a hidden it's a hidden tool, ladies. Like this is this is our deep connection. We can't deny it anymore. Yeah. Um, and I've done the natural contraception method where women are like, I don't want to be on the pill anymore, but what else can I do? And there's natural contraception where you, you need to track. You know, this is about taking responsibility, but it's about being aware of when you're ovulating and simply going, darling, this is a no-go zone here, you know, and there's many without getting too much into, you know, relationships. But there's a lot of things that you can do with your partner that doesn't, you know, include sex. So um, it's just about being aware of your fertility and avoiding having sex during that time and, and tracking and, um, yeah, learning about the body and your menstrual cycle. Mm. You don't have to be on the pill. You, so you don't have to be. Yeah, that's all. Sorry. And so just to clarify, you said that um, there's a link on your – is there a link on your website? Because what I'll do is – um. I'll link all of that down below so people can click on it and it can go directly there um, and they can check it out. So it's your YouTube, which I'll link below, and um, your website. Perfect, yeah. And um, they can hear more of me talk about the menstrual cycle a little bit more. Yeah, no, seriously, because that is so interesting and I really, really, really believe that not enough women know about that, um, seriously, like myself included. That is such a huge eye-opener and I really can't wait to learn more about that. Yeah yeah awesome well thank you so much like this was so informative and um i really really enjoyed it so um thank you thanks alexa thanks for having me on and um yeah if anybody wants to stay in touch then obviously follow the links but thank you yeah. so much for helping me spread my passion um and i really appreciate it awesome no worries well um guys if you really want to check out rachel um like i said we'll uh, link her website down below and uh, some contact information and yeah Awesome. <laughs> All right.